guys so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope that you'll turn in your Bible to Acts 9 and also Acts 26. Um, I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment and certainly ask God that he would speak through me and give me the right words and that the Spirit of God would help each of us understand that these words in Scripture were written not only uh, to help us understand how God worked in other people's lives, but most especially how he wants to work in our lives. And we have been using the example of the Apostle Paul as a man in whose life God worked and God had a plan. I know that you've heard it many times that God has a plan, but he truly does. And that is one of the themes of Scripture, that God had a plan not only for individuals, but even for the nation of Israel. The church of Jesus Christ is the New Testament equivalent of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. We are to bear witness to this God. And so, again, there's just so much, and uh, uh, this will probably be the last Sunday that we'll uh, work on this, and we'll move on. But um, let's ask God to bless us, okay? Let's pray. Father, we are nothing. We are powerless, Lord, without your Spirit. And so today I pray that even as I've fouled up in a lot of ways earlier, Lord, that now the Spirit of God would take control of, of my thoughts and my words, and I'll be your spokesman in these moments as we read and study again that you have a plan for our lives. And I pray, Father, that your Spirit will speak to all of us. Lord, that plan includes, first of all, that all would be saved, that all would know Christ as their Savior. And I pray that if there are those in the congregation this morning that have not yet trusted your son, that they would truly see that your plan is for them to be born again through your son Christ. And I pray for we who are Christians, it is so easy to come to church and think that we have fulfilled our duty to you and our obligation to you and live the next six days as we want and then come back and regroup at the church. But, Lord, help us to know that you have a moment-by-moment, day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, even life that has a plan from you for us. And, Lord, help us to discover that plan day-by-day. And, Lord, I just pray again that you'll be with us and that you'll speak. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. I want to read this morning. Again, I'm not going to read. We've been reading the entire chapter of Acts 26. But this morning, I just want to read uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. Listen to these two verses. But the Lord said to him, the Lord is speaking to Ananias, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine. And listen to what God says to Ananias. This is what I want you to tell him. This is the plans I've got for Paul to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. And again, remember, Acts 26 is one of the fulfillments where Paul is literally carrying the name of Jesus before the Gentiles, the Romans, before kings, King Agrippa, Governor Festus, and the sons of Israel, the Jews that had gathered there to... to register their complaint against Paul. And in verse 16, Ananias is told by God, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. You know, Jesus never uh, 
watered down the demands of discipleship. And he told his disciples, and we'll read these verses later, that if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny your cross and follow me. Folks, we cannot fulfill the plan of God until we're willing to take the cross of Christ. And I'm not literally speaking of a cross that he took where he died physically, but about the cross of self-denial and dying to ourself. If Jesus is truly going to shine through us, we've got to die to self and live to Christ. And from the very beginning, God wanted Paul to know this. Well, we're going to fast forward to Acts 26, beginning with verse 12. And Paul is giving his testimony before Agrippa, okay? Acts 26, 12 through 18. Again, if you, if you hadn't heard the other two messages, we've spent a lot of times talking about Agrippa and the group that is assembled and the circumstances that brought Paul to Caesarea. For two years he has been in jail. He has been waiting for this opportunity to share his testimony. And he does it so briefly. But listen to what he says, beginning verse 12. Thus I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining round me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, and again, I remind you for the third time that God always will speak in a way that we can understand. Paul had been brought up in a Jewish home. His original language was Hebrew. He could speak Aramaic. He could speak Greek. But God speaks to him in his original language. And he says, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What an experience. The resurrected Lord speaking to a man who was deliberately and willfully killing and persecuting Christians in the church of Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse 16, God, The Lord said to him, But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. That's an important phrase in there. God wanted Paul to know him as his Lord and Savior, but it went greatly beyond that. And folks, so often we kind of cut God off. We get saved and that's it. God, that's as far as I want to go. I want to make sure that my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm not trying to, this is not sarcasm, okay? This is just the truth, amen? I mean, we want to get into heaven, but we really don't want to live all of our life for the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul is being told by the Lord, I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you to serve and bear witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. And the Lord said to Paul, Paul, look, I'm not finished revealing myself to you. I've got a whole lot more that I'm going to give you, a whole lot more revelation. And, and you know, so often we, we say, I don't know a whole lot about the Lord. It's not his fault. It's ours. We say, Lord, I've got enough. Again, I'm getting into heaven. I'm saved. You know, it's like an insurance policy sometime, I believe. And I'm, not, again, not trying to be sarcastic. Folks, the Lord wants to carry us much, much farther than that. He says, uh, delivering you from people and from the Gentiles. That's verse 17. Again, he's promising Paul, I'm going to be with you and I'll take care of you to whom I send you. And listen to these five things in verse 18 that Paul is going to be sent to do to open their eyes 
that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul was given on that day of his coming to know the Lord and understanding that God has a plan for him, that the Lord had a plan for him. But folks, the question that I want to ask and then answer this morning is, do you and I believe that God has a plan for our lives? Now let's, let's be serious this morning. Just, and I, you know, just deep down in your heart, do you believe that God's got a plan for your life? And folks, I want to tell you, the Word of God begins by God telling the first two people that he created, Adam and Eve, I've got a plan for you. And Genesis 1 and 2 speaks about how God's, from the very time that he began creating, in creating man and woman, God had a plan for them. And folks, here's the point I'm trying to make, and, and to me this is a simple point, but it's very profound. If Adam and Eve were a part of God's creation and he had a plan for them, so we who are his creation, he has a plan for us. And do you not believe that we are part of God's creation? And there's some that's saying that's not true, that there wasn't anything behind creation and we're wherever we came from. And I, again, I'm not trying to sound sarcastic. Let me get you to look at these verses from Psalms 139, verses 1 through 18, okay? You know this psalm well. We've, we've preached about this before. We've studied about it before. And I'm going to be reading this out of the Living Bible, Psalms 139, verses 1 through 18. And Amy, you bless in my heart by turning in Scripture. You know that. I'm glad you got your Bible. You know that. How old are you, how old are you now? Seven? Okay. Seven-year-old brings their Bible to church. The rest of us ought to, too, shouldn't we? And not being ugly, folks. I'm not being ugly. Listen to Psalms 139, verses 1 through 18, okay? David is speaking here. Oh, Lord, you examine my heart and know everything about me. Did you know that God knows everything about you and me? Now, we might say, yeah, I believe that, but do we live like it? He knows everything about us. You know when I sit or stand, when far away, you know my every thought. That's chilling, isn't it? Verse 3, you chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am. Hallelujah. When we're in the valley, when life is just crushing us, guess who knows exactly where we are? We are never, ever alone because the God who created us is ever with us. Let's go to the next verse. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. That should kind of tone down our talk, shouldn't it? You both precede me and follow me. Is that not amazing? He is before us. He is behind us. You place your hand of blessing on my head. This is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to your spirit. I can never get away from God. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the morning winds to the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. If I try to hide in darkness, the light becomes light, the night becomes light around. 
around me. Listen to this verse, verse 12. For even darkness cannot hide from God. There's no place we can hide from God. There's no place we can get so far away from him that he is not there with us. What a glorious, glorious thought. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. Now listen to these next verses. You were there when I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born. Look at this. And scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. There's a couple more verses. Let me stop right there. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe it? That God created us? Folks, you know, we've got all these examples. I mean, we know about the birds and bees. We know how babies are conceived. But folks, do we know that it is an act of God? Life is a gift from God, and with the gift of life, he has a plan for each and every one of us. We're not put on this earth to wander aimlessly and never figure out what we were placed here for. God's got a purpose. And here's, here, you know, Satan has, has really convinced the world of a great lie. That first of all, there's no purpose in our life. So we ought to just indulge ourselves and do whatever we want, whatever feels good. Let's just do it. God created us with a purpose and a plan. Even the days of our life are numbered if we give ourselves to him. That means we don't have to fear death. Amen? Amen. God got a beginning. God's got an end. But what does he say? Earlier in the psalm, you precede me and you're behind me. Think about that for just a second in respect to life. Before we were born, God was there. When we die, God's gone ahead of us. And what did Jesus say? I go before you to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. Folks, do you see how this plan of God just it really begins to show us how important our lives are in the sight of God, how much he loves us? Let's go to the next two verses. I'm supposed to get back to Paul, okay? But look at this. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I waken in the morning, you're still thinking of me. Folks, what a great God we have. How much he loves us. He's got this wonderful plan for us. And folks, I'm not trying to say to you something. I'm just trying to tell you the truth when the word of God. Let me give you just a couple of other examples about this creator God who has a plan. Listen to this, Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And again, folks, I'm just giving you this evidence that God had a plan for you and me before we were ever born. Can you imagine that? But he does. And, folks, let me give you one more example and one that uh, is a little bit more lengthy to read, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. And if you know the Christmas story well, you know that this is a story about the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were old. They had not had any children. They had desired children. Zachariah had prayed that Elizabeth would be able to have a child. And they thought that childbearing time was, was over. And Zechariah is in the temple one day serving the Lord because he's of the priestly family. Listen to this. 
We jump in at verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, it fell to him by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Now, listen to this. I love this story. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And folks, let me point something out. If God himself doesn't speak, he's going to send an angel or he's going to speak through his word. God will not be silent unless it is for a purpose. Okay? And so God sends Gabriel to come to Zechariah and to Elizabeth to tell them what's going to happen, what God's plan is for them. Listen to this. There appeared to me an angel at the, uh, uh, at the right standing beside me at the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw it, and fear fell upon him. Would you not become afraid, too, if an angel came to you? All right. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, who is this John? John the Baptist. And listen to this, verse 14, you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. Now listen, the angel is going to tell Zechariah the plan that God has already got for John the Baptist before he is born. Listen to this, for he will be great before the Lord. He shall drink no wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Folks, you and I from reading the word of God understand that this, all of this took place just as the angel had predicted. You remember that that Zechariah doesn't believe. Do you have trouble with disbelief when God tells you I want to do something through your life? Well, guess what? Zechariah, like you and I, he had trouble with it. He couldn't believe it. He was an old man. How could his wife have a child? And the angel told Zechariah, because of your disbelief, and I, love, I just love this story. The angel says, you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. For nine months, he cannot speak. But his wife becomes pregnant. And I'm sure that in his mind, he is... Over and over again, he's remembering what the angel said about this son. This son would be the one who would be the forerunner to the Messiah. This son would be the promised one of the Old Testament prophets that God was going to send the Redeemer. And he can't tell anybody. That'd be like me losing my voice for a couple of weeks. You know what I'm saying? Amen. (laughs) For nine months, he can't speak. And when the baby's born, they think, well, man, old Zachariah's got to be busting his buttons as a little boy, and surely he's going to name him Zach Jr. And they say, what are you going to call him? And he says, John. Why? The angel said this is going to happen. And as you and I know from history and from the Word of God, this young man became the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he became one of the greatest. Jesus says he's the greatest prophet that ever lived on the earth. Because he fulfilled the plan that God had for him. Folks, listen, so much is included in God's plan for us. 
And let me just let me just give you a couple of things that's included in God's plan for us. When God's plan is being worked out in our life, God's presence is with us each and every day. And a ex- couple of examples. Okay, Joshua chapter one verse five. Let me ask you something. Who would you like to to follow or take the place of a great Christian leader? Moses has died. And God is going to appoint someone to be the next leader of the nation of Israel. Can you imagine how threatening that job would have been? And the man whom God has planned to succeed Moses is Joshua. Can you imagine the anxiety in Joshua's heart and in his mind? And folks, listen to what God himself says to Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Now, when we start thinking about the plan of God for our life, what is one of the first things that we begin to fear? Uh, feel. It is fear, isn't it? Let's be honest. When you start thinking about, I'm just going to give myself complete, I'm, a, I'm just going to give myself wholeheartedly over to the Lord, what happens? Satan is going to try and make us afraid. You can't do it. You can't do it. Joshua thought, I cannot lead this people. God says to him, I will not fail you or forsake you. And you know, Jesus, he laid some pretty heavy stuff down on those disciples, didn't he? He says, I want you to carry the gospel starting here in Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. How do you think they felt? How do we feel when we hear the sermons on we're to be witnesses? Do we get excited? Man, I can't wait to get out of these doors. I want to just go out and tell everybody about the Lord. And I'm not, again, this is not sarcasm. Satan puts fear in our heart. We can't do that. And I'm sure for those 11 disciples who had just heard the plan of Jesus for their life, they would probably say, we can't do that. But what were Jesus' last words to the disciples according to Matthew 28? Listen to this. Lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Until Jesus Christ comes back, he promises to be with his followers who have surrendered to his plan. There's a second thing that the plan of God brings into our life, and that is the joy of the Son of God. Listen to these two verses. Psalm 16:11. Thou to show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. John 15:11. And we, we read this so many times a couple of weeks ago. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Folks, when I first became a Christian, I had people to tell me, if you follow Jesus, you will not have an enjoyable life. You will not be happy. And, folks, I found something out. If you don't follow Jesus, it's when you have a miserable life. It is when you are following the Lord Jesus Christ that your life is the fullest. Because what did Jesus say in John 10.10? And this is the third thing that being in the plan of God will bring abundant life. Abundant life. Jesus is making a comparison between the thief and the good shepherd. The thief is who? Satan. And the good shepherd is who? It is Jesus. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Look around us at the world that seems to be in control of Satan and the devastation and destruction and loss of life that is taking place right now in our world. Is that the work of God or is that the work of Satan? Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm going to go through these next three things and we'll close, okay? When we are in the plan of God, it brings also eternal life. Listen to this. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. And, folks, I love Psalms 23, verse 6. And I believe David just sums up the life of the child of God in this verse. Listen to this. Surely goodness and mercy, they're the New Testament equivalent to the grace and love of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me when all the days of my life, all the days, and I shall dwell where? In the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. But folks, let me tell you two other things. Being in the plan of God will bring the disciples cross. In Mark 8, 34. And he called to him the multitudes with his disciples and said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you and I surrender to the plan of God, we'll have to bear a cross. But in bearing that cross, our Lord promises his blessings. Listen to these words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verses 28 to 30. Listen to this. Peter began to say to him, Lord, lo, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you. And folks, again, I cannot overemphasize what that expression means. Truly I say to you, some translations, verily, verily, I say to you. It's the equivalent of the Old Testament expression, thus saith the Lord. In other words, Jesus is getting ready to say, you can take what I'm getting ready to say to the bank. Okay? And to put it in the words of Si, this is a fact, Jack. Okay? If y'all are still with me this morning, if you watch Dynasty. Listen to what Jesus says. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, our brothers, our sisters, our mother, our father, our children, our lands, for my sake and the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now and this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Did you notice that? With persecutions. Remember again, God told, the Lord told Paul, I'm going to show you what you must suffer for my name. But folks, you know, I believe the greatest ministry and the greatest joys in Paul's life were when he was in prison. Do you realize that? Apparently, this is going to run over to next Sunday, okay? But you remember in the Philippian jail at midnight, Paul and Silas, you remember what they're doing? They're not whining and complaining and griping. They're singing hymns and praying and praising God and a family comes to know Christ the jailer's family the book of Philippians later that is written back to that church where Paul had suffered so much Paul keeps talking about joy joy rejoice in the Lord always 
Folks, it is when we are giving ourselves completely and totally to the, to the will of God and the plan of God that we're receiving the greatest blessings of God. That doesn't make sense, and I know that. But it is the truth. And folks, I, I'll just close with this. You know, it is absolutely amazing what God does for us in our lifetime, isn't it? An example is our church family. And I'm not just singling out individuals. I am talking about as a Christian to be a part of a body of believers. And if we're loving God and loving each other, that is one of the greatest blessings in the world. Amen. Amen. Would you agree with me on that? Amen. I mean, this is family. And, and folks, I don't have, the only family, I've got two brothers that I know of. I mean, that's not, I didn't mean it that way. I've got two brothers. I don't know where the rest of my family is at, okay? But, folks, you're my family now. I thought I'd never be able to enjoy life if I didn't get back to South Carolina. I'm not going back unless God sends me. (laughs) Wait a minute. Unless God sends me back because God has blessed me beyond what I would have ever imagined in coming to this community and being a part of this community. And, folks, to me, that's an answer to prayer for me. I want friends, and I feel like I've got them not only within the body of believers here, but within the community. And I, I'm not trying to be personal. I'm just trying to say, folks, this is what Jesus said he meant. He'll bless us. And, and you know, there used to be a song, and I, I can't remember what the title was, but you got to get under the glory spout for the glory of God to pour out on you. And we want God to bless us in many ways, and he does, but he will greatly bless us when we surrender to the plan that he has for our life. And he's got a plan. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you do have a plan for our lives. Help that plan to be reality. And Father, again, I know that what I'm preaching, what I've said today, we've heard it all before. But God, I pray that we would be in the center of that plan that you have for us whether we're a seven-year-old child or a 75-year-old man or woman. And Lord, help us to understand that that plan begins when we come to know your Son as Savior. So I pray that if there's anyone here that has not made that initial step and ask Christ to come into their heart and into their life, that they would. And I pray for we who are Christians, God, oh Lord, help us not to let this life pass by without fully serving you and and giving our hearts and lives completely and totally to you. We don't know what it's going to mean to give ourselves completely and totally to you, but Lord, help us to do it, believing that you will give us life and life abundant. And Lord, that through our lives, you will minister to others, and they'll too come to know the Christ that we know. Father, bless these moments of invitation. May your will be done, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number 530.